morning, Adventure Church. Good morning, uh, some of you who are just coming back for the first time. Uh, welcome for those of you who are still watching online. We miss you. And I have a new announcement. I want to welcome our Taiwanese uh, viewers. We are, we are starting to send our services over to Taiwan. Um, God's starting to do some amazing things. So uh, please keep them in your prayers. You know, Taiwan and, and the Philippines are neighbors. So if you don't know, we are very involved in the Philippines uh, one of our, our pastors went over there, and he and his wife have started 12 churches in the Philippines, and God is just doing incredible things. So who knows what God wants to do with our partnership in Taiwan, too. So if, if you run out of things to pray for, pray for that, okay? Well, I'm really excited about today's message, and I know I say that every week, but this I, I, I really believe that this is a word that God has specifically for us. I went to the simulcast yesterday. We had a women's simulcast with some fabulous teachers and just some really profound things. But throughout the day, they were like, they were like stealing my message. Like I already had my message done and they were like preaching everything that I was going to preach today. And at first I was, I was annoyed, but then I realized, wait, this is a good thing. This means this is what God wants to speak right now during this season how many of you believe that God still wants to speak to his kids today? How many of you believe God is the strong, silent type who doesn't care? <laughs> That's not how he is. He wants to speak to his kids. He wants to have interaction. He wants to have a relationship. So if you're not, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you have never, like maybe you're just here and you're just exploring or you've never really like, you know, Josiah said, just you're not ready or you've never really made that commitment, that is fine. We'll talk to you later. But we are going to talk right now to those who call themselves Christians, who claim the name of Jesus Christ, who are born again. And today, we're going to veer off of our, our current series a, a little bit. We're, gonna, let's, we're just going to take a little side street and come right back. We're doing a series now on our basic fundamental beliefs of our church and of the majority of Christianity at large. And we actually agree on a lot more things than we disagree on. And this particular little cul-de-sac that we're coming in and out of, is really on the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Today, we're going to really specifically talk about three things all humans want. Three things that all humans want, okay? How many of you know what the first one is? This morning, a little kid goes, money! <laughs> I was like, it's not a spiritual gift. But anyway, <laughs> what's the first thing that all people want? love. The second thing, joy. And the third thing, peace. So we're going to be talking about out of Galatians chapter five. We're going to start out with the bad news, and then we're going to move into the good news. We're going to talk about, um, first of all, the acts of the sinful nature. Du, du, du. The acts of the sinful nature, the acts of our flesh, our natural tendency, if left without any consequences, 
this is how we would act, and some of y'all <laughs> still do. But um, moving on, it says, <laughs> I've seen your Instagram page. Um, it says, starting, okay, oh, first of all, I wanted to say, um, we're going to do a little fruit inspection today um, because Jesus said you should produce fruit consistent with repentance. In other words, let's say you're going to go to court to try to prove a case. So let's imagine that the case is that Prentice is a Christian. We're trying to, <laughs> his brother-in-law says wrong, <laughs> trying to determine what would you do in a, in a court of law, what do they do to prove a case? They bring in what? Evidence. And that's basically the, the same word as the word for fruit. This is supposed to be fruit, the fruit of your life, the evidence of your life. Let's say, for example, I would, if I were to tell you I am a Minnesota Viking football player. First of all, you'd feel sorry for me because I've lived a life of disappointment. <laughs> but second, all, second of all, you'd say, well, where's the evidence for that? And I'd say, um, well, I just, I just am. I just am a Minnesota Vikings. I'm a quarterback. And they'd be like, no, there's no evidence for that whatsoever. That's what this is talking about. This is going to be a way that we can look to see if our lives line up with what we say that we want them to line up with. And the bad news is that you can't do this on your own. The good news is there is a source called the Holy Spirit who wants to infuse us and who wants to work through us. But produce fruit in keeping with repentance is what Jesus says. So repentance simply means to turn the other way or to think a new way. So if you're walking this way, this is repenting. I'm turning and walking a different way. Okay? And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you claim that you are my follower, there should be some evidence. Right, Prentice? Prentice agrees with me. <laughs> There should be evidence. If you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, and your life is completely, or your social media says something completely different, you know, it does say in the Bible, it says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. If there's no evidence, maybe you might need to question if you need to get some things right with the Lord. Maybe you're not born again. Maybe, maybe you aren't going to heaven. Because when you get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to sit there and go, well, congratulations. You know, I saw that you came to church just about every week. Or, oh, I noticed that you tithed. Congratulations. Come on in. Or, you are a good person. These are words that will never come out of Jesus' mouth. <laughs> this is... The, when you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, what did you do with my son? Did you acknowledge that the only way you could be saved is through what Jesus Christ already did on the cross when he hung there and said, it is finished? Or did you put your hope in your own good works? Because how's that going for you? 
I mean, you know, some it's like some people they think that they're going to get to heaven by their own good works. I don't know about you, but I can't even get through a whole day without without sinning. You know? Can you? Can you? Anybody here? Can? Because you're a liar. <laughs> so, boom. Done for the day. <laughs> Check that off your to-do list. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Okay, so Galatians chapter 5. Now, the background here is that Paul the Apostle, who was the one who persecuted Christians, who had this radical transformation by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus spoke to him, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul the Apostle. He's writing to the churches at Galatia. This is a group of churches, and he's writing to them. And these guys are what we would call legalistic, which means that they think that they have to do this and this and this and this and this and this for their salvation. When the truth of the matter is, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did everything. And the works of God is that you believe that, that you believe that he went to the cross for your sins so that you don't have to try to work your way into his good graces, like Josiah was talking about, trying to, you know, trying to earn his way in. That's not how it works. None of us are worthy. None of us, except that Jesus looks at us and he says, I love you. I paid the penalty so that you could live. But apart from that, Galatians chapter 5, start with verse 19. So if you have your Bible with you, um, this is the Christian Standard Bible, in case you're following on your your device. Okay. Now, I'm going to read through a list here of the, the acts of the flesh or the acts of our sinful nature. So when I get, when I say one that, that would describe you. I, I just want you to slip up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of y'all, I mean, you'd be pulling out your rotator cuff. Um, okay, so, okay. That, the works of the flesh, acts of the sinful nature, our innate natural tendencies are obvious. Yes? I mean, if a child is not ever corrected, they turn into a tyrant. Correct? And with us, if there are no restrictions, we turn into horrible people. And this is the works of our flesh, which are obvious. Okay, the first, the first few, interestingly enough, all have to do with sexuality. They all have to do with, with something that is very, very natural, obviously, because otherwise you wouldn't be here if there was no such thing as sex. And yet... People are so afraid to talk about it in church. I mean, people out, out there are not afraid to talk about it. That's, that's a big topic. But why shouldn't we be talking about it? We should. And, and so it's interesting to me that here, Paul the Apostle, he's talking to these legalistic people, and he's going, mm, these are the acts of your sinful nature, and these are pretty obvious. So the first one, it's translated here, sexual immorality. What this actually is, is this is talking about committing adultery. We call it, oh, it was an affair, or it was a fling, or a tryst. No, you're committing adultery. This is, this is talking about breaking your marital vows and sleeping with someone that you are not married to. That's the first one. Second one, moral impurity. Guess what this word is? 
The original Greek is porneo. Sound familiar? This is talking about pornography or, or viewing things or having a distorted view of sexual, like it's a, it's a form of sexual perversion. You know, some people say, oh, it's not a big deal to look at porn. I mean, my spouse and I, I hope there's no young children in here. My, you know, my spouse and I, I mean, it really enhances things. It's, this is, this is a, a spiritual thing. This is saying this is part of your flesh. And then the next one is promiscuity, which means just like no holes barred, just sleeping around, sleeping with anybody or living with someone that you're not married to. Did you know that the Bible says you're not supposed to sleep with anybody that you're not married to? Did you know that? It's the acts of your sinful nature. And I'm not trying to be hard on anybody. I'm just telling you what it says. The verse 20 says, idolatry. This is talking about anything that you think about more than you think about God. This is an idol. Whatever you think most about is that which you worship. So if you think most about money, that means that you worship money. If you think most about sports, that means sports is an idol to you. If you think, you know, these are this is idolatry. And the Lord says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Let God be number one. Just like Josiah said, focusing on him, putting your attention on the things of the Lord the one who created you. Okay, so, and then this sorcery. Guess what the original word for this one is? Pharmakia. Sound familiar? Pharmaceuticals. Now, this isn't saying medicine is bad. This is saying, some translations call this witchcraft. Sorcery, witchcraft, pharmakia, rebellion. This is anything that messes up your psyche. Anything that changes your state of mind. So weed, acid, painkillers, if you're taking them recreationally, all of these things, if you're taking it to escape or to change, to alter your state of mind, that is considered sorcery or witchcraft or rebellion. Okay, the next one, hatred. This one's kind of self-explanatory. If you hate, hate someone, strife, strife means like striving, like, you know, competing and trying to get a position. Um, the next one is jealousy. That one's kind of self-explanatory. If you're jealous about anything, you think that you deserve to have what someone else has, that's a jealousy. Um, outbursts of anger. The, the original word for this one is actually murder, taken from the same word as murder. Like this is a violent outburst of anger. And, and I, let me just tell you, parents, if you have little kids, the Bible says that the fool gives full vent to his anger. So if your two-year-old is having a tantrum, that is a foolish thing. Don't let your child just blah, you know, like, have you ever seen that, that um, Swedish video where the, the little kid is having a tantrum and he drops to the ground and he's pounding on the floor? So then his dad lays down right next to him and starts doing the same thing. And the kid gets up and he's like looking at his dad like, this guy's crazy. Have, has anybody seen that? Just me? Okay, I made it up. <laughs> um, okay, the next one is outbursts of anger. Selfish ambitions. Ah, yikes. 
selfish ambition. This means elevating yourself above other people, trying to get something that you want. Okay, here are a couple of them. Dissension and factions. This is like, like a division or you're dissenting from someone else or factions, which means like cliques or like maybe you have a particular group of people and you think that you're superior to other people, whether it be your beliefs or your race or your gender or your culture or whatever. This is the acts of the sinful nature. And, and here's the thing. You cannot say that you love God and then hate the Democrats or the liberals or the conservatives or the Republicans or the libertarians or the people who don't vote. You can't say that you love God and then have this anger and this disdain and looking down on other people or somebody that cuts you off on the freeway. That's a human being created in the image of God that God loved and Jesus died for, even though they're rude, <laughs> okay? Or, or a homeless person. You know, we are not supposed to elevate ourselves above anyone else. If you are a disciple of Jesus, this is contrary to what he taught. Okay, dissension in factions. Envy. This means like thinking that you, again, like you deserve something more. Drunkenness. Do I need to go on? <laughs> Drunkenness. And we talked about this a few weeks back. The Bible does not make a case that you cannot drink alcohol. However, it does make a very strong case that you should not be altered. You should not get drunk. And for some people, you should not drink because you cannot handle it. And you know who you are. You know, I have a really dear friend who used to tell me, it's good to celebrate but not medicate. You know, some people can have a glass of wine and not have another one for two, four, six months. But if you're one of those people, you need it every night. I just, I just need a glass of wine just to wind down. Then you're medicating. Then you're altering your brain. And, and we're not, we're called to be clear-minded, actually sober-minded. I am taking way too long on these acts of the sinful nature. I will get to the good news. I promise I will get to that. <laughs> okay, um, drunkenness, carousing. That just means like wild living. The King James calls it riotous living. Okay, it says, I'm warning you about these things. Now get this. This is intense. It says, as I warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're all doomed. <laughs> Anybody ever done any of these things on this list? <laughs> Anybody not done any of these things? I mean, there's certain things hopefully you haven't done, but uh, this whole list is just, this is our natural tendency, but this isn't saying if you've ever done these things, if you've ever looked at porn, you're going to hell. No, it doesn't say that. It's saying if you practice such things, it's saying if this is your lifestyle, if you have given yourself over to these things, if you are addicted to these things, that, if, if you set them up before God, if these things are more important than God and the worship of God, it's saying, again, you might need to examine yourself and see, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? Or am I just religious? Because you know there should be a difference. 
Okay? Um, Galatians 5.22. Here comes good news. Everybody say, whoo! Oh, only some of you said it. Say, whoo! Okay. Um, it says, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit, the proof that you're filled with the Spirit is, number one, love. Then joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the evidence of the Spirit. If you want to memorize these, keep in mind the first three have one syllable, love, joy, peace. The second three have two syllables, patience, kindness, goodness. And the third three have three syllables, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we're going to talk about the others in a couple weeks, but for today, we're going to, we're going to focus on the three things all humans want. There is a movie called What a Girl or What a Woman Wants. There's a book, What a Man Wants. And, you know, this is talking about what all humans, no matter their gender, their culture, their race, their, their um, ethnicity, that's the same thing, their um, <laughs> anything throughout history, these are the things, these are essential things that all people desire. But unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, these are not things that you can actually experience. Okay, we're going to start with the first one. Oh, I want to tell you. So love is mentioned over 500 times, 550 times or so in the Bible. Joy is mentioned 220 times. And peace is mentioned over 400 times. So I thought if I just take a minute on each one today, and I'm just kidding. Add that up, year till Monday night. So I can't cover everything, but I hope that you, I hope you get this. I hope you understand what this is talking about. We're talking about the first one, love. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is Jesus talking. He says, this is my suggestion that you love one another as I, is that what it says? This is my command. If you claim the name of Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus, he commands you to love. This doesn't mean like this feeling you have. This is an active action. This is agape. Do you know the definition of agape love means an unconditional love? It means loving even when you get nothing in return. That's what agape love is. It's like no matter how someone treats you, you continue to treat them with love. Not like you have to feel it, but you treat them with honor and with respect. That is agape love. And I just want to just talk to the husbands for a minute here. Some of you husbands are only nice to your wives when you want something. Do I need to define this? Okay. And I'll get to you women in a minute. But some of you men, you expect, oh, well, I mean, I ran the bath for her, so she owes me. That is not agape love. That is lust. That is like wanting what you want. Agape means you're not doing this for any reason other than you've been commanded to love by Jesus. That is what agape is. And you know, I know Josiah said 2020 was the best year of his life. Anybody else agree with him that was the best year of your life? All right, sweet. There's some 
I really think Jesus has done some amazing things in his in the body of Christ in the church. I feel like God has just solidified some incredible things and he's kind of allowed whatever is inside to come to the surface. You know, if you squeeze a tube of toothpaste in the middle, that is anathema, first of all. But also, if you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what's going to come out? Not ketchup. What's going to come out? Toothpaste. If you squeeze a bottle of ketchup, what's going to come out? Not toothpaste. What's going to come out? The same thing is when we're squeezed... When we're tested, when we go through trials, when we have hardships, and when we're disappointed, and when things don't go our way, and when we're angry, and when we get rejected, and when we get hurt, and when we get fired, and when we don't have enough money, and all of these things, when we're squeezed, what comes out? (laughs) I don't want to know. It should be, you know what? God's got this. It should be, I'm going to be okay because God is on the throne. It should be, you know what? Those people were really horrible to me, but I forgive them and I am going to continue to trust that God is going to, God is going to vindicate me. God is going to restore me. Whatever, whatever squeezes you, whatever, when you're in in a pressure situation, whatever's in your heart is going to come out. And I feel like that's what the Lord has done through 2020, it's like people going through all of these things, all of these hardships, and their true character has come out. And for some of us, it's been rough because I don't know about any of anybody else, but I've seen some ugliness in me. Anybody else? Not in me. I'm talking about you. <laughs> Have you seen ugliness in yourself? <laughs> Examine yourself. <laughs> isn't it true? But isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance, that, that it's, it's his kindness that causes us to want to change. It's not him standing over you going, you are such a lousy sinner. You notice I didn't look at anybody? That is not the heart of God. It's his kindness. And so everything you go through, anything you go through, it is completely within his power And he wants us to be made more and more like him. He wants us to be loving. He wants us to agape people. And I believe that 2020 has invited, just everything that's happened has invited a spirit of division into the church. I'm not going to wear a mask. Oh, you don't wear a mask. You're not very loving. I mean, the division in the camps, it's, Such things ought not to be, okay? You know, it is possible to love somebody with whom you vehemently disagree. What? Yeah. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can love people that that didn't vote for the president that you voted for, either the former one or the current one. And did you know that it is possible to actually love those people even when they do things that are annoying? Did you know that? And it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this on your own. And John, uh, 1 John, so there's there's a John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
the first four books of the New Testament. So there's a, the Old Testament, and then there's the New Testament, which should actually be like the not, not as Old Testament. It shouldn't be called the New Testament because it's not very new. It's like very old, 2,000 years old. But the, but the New Testament has some books that are 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John toward the, toward the end. So if you have it on your device, it's 1st John 4.20. If anyone says, get this now, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, it says he's a liar. So anybody that goes down to the LDS conference and holds up one of those signs and says, God hates Mormons, is a liar. If they try to say that, that they love God and that's what motivates them, they are liars. We are not called to condemn. We are not called to judge. We are not called to curse people. We are called to bless even when they curse us, we are called to overlook it. And, and, and we are going to be tested in this. You know, it says, it says you can't love. Well, let me just finish this first. I'm sorry. I got a off track there. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother or sister, he's a liar for the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot, cannot, cannot love God whom he has not seen. (sighs) Pretty convicting, isn't it? And now why is it that a perfect and holy God would call us to love unholy and unlovable people? Because we need him to do it. We can't even do it on our own. We need to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that we can love that's the only way we really can. We can't do it on our own. I mean, you can like people and tolerate people and be cordial to people for only so long, right? And then it gets to the end, and you're like, mm, okay, I am done. But it says if you, if you say that you love God, but you, don't, you, but you hate somebody, then you're a liar. Ooh, Yikes. You cannot love the head of Christ, which is which, or the head, of, the head of Christ, which is Jesus, and hate His body, which is us. You can't. You know, people will say that. Oh, I love God. I just, I just hate the organized religion. And I'm like, come to the adventure. We're totally unorganized. You'll fit right in. <laughs> but I mean, you can't because this is where our real, true love is tested with jokers that let are, you know, dumb and do dumb things and do things we disagree with. And sometimes we're the joker that does dumb things. But this is the test. You know, for some of you, I mean, I have already owned that my ministry is to develop the character of others by providing opportunities for them to forgive and to overlook an offense. And to, you know, I just am kind of that person. I just, you know, I'll like, I'm a backpedaler, like, oh, like I'll, I'll say something and I'll be like, oh, too far. I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, I need to move on. But I apologize to anybody I've offended and you have to love me because it's in the contract. <laughs> so, sorry. Okay. Okay. So, Love. Joy is the second one. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8, it says, though you haven't seen him, as it mentioned in 1 John, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you're receiving 
the goal of your faith. Okay, get that. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is saying you can put anything in perspective, no matter what you're going through. You're going through a dark time. You're going through trials. You're going through hardships. You got a diagnosis that was not good or you've lost someone recently, or you've been rejected, or you've been fired, or your bank account's in the negatives, or you're going through something. And let me just tell you, every single miracle in the Bible was preceded by something that seemed insurmountable. Amen? Every single testimony starts with a test because it's about faith. It's about believing God's going to get me through this. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand, but I believe that God is good. I believe that God is for me, and I believe that God is a solution maker. Amen? So think about your circumstances right now. Think about whatever it is that you're in the midst of, whether you brought yourself there or whether this is a circumstance someone else brought upon you, and, and it looks hopeless Think about your situation. God's going to deliver you. God is a delivering God. God is a God of restoration. He, and let me just say this right now. If you think you can lean on your own understanding and you think you can figure out how God's going to deliver you and you think, okay, well, God's going to do this and that and this and that. No, God's going to go, wait, he's going to come in the back door because that is how he is. He does not think like us. He is not like us. Somebody give me a shout for that. Woo! That's so scary to think that God would be like us. He's not like us. And he has your situation in the palm of his hand. And you can have joy. And you can walk around. You know, happiness has the roots in the word happenings. Joy has nothing to do with your circumstances, with the externals. As a matter of fact, James says in James chapter 1 that you should consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. How many of you are that mature in Jesus that when you go through a trial, you're, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to let this take me out because I know that my God is faithful. I know that the king of the universe, the one we worship on Sunday mornings and hopefully throughout our week, is the God who is going to come up with the solution. He is going to provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Right? He is faithful. Can you give him a shout? Woo! That's why no matter what you're going through, you can still have joy. You don't have to be like skipping, you know, I mean, you don't have to be like in this great mood, but you can have joy because you're like, you know what? My God is going to do some radical thing in my life. God is going to do some crazy delivering thing and it's going to blow everybody away. Amen. How many of you have stories that you could tell of you're in a hopeless, absolutely hopeless situation and God came through for you? Anybody? Yeah, every hand should be up because he is always faithful. He's always working behind the scenes, even when we don't see it. I'm moving on. Okay, the next one, peace. Peace means to be joined to prosperity, rest, and quietness and contentment. Peace means to not stress out, to not be stressed out internally. How many want this? You know, how many of you, 
No, I don't want to ask you this. I was going to ask how many of you have ever felt like you're going crazy, but you shouldn't answer that. Um, This is talking about not having inner turmoil, that anxiety that keeps you awake at night. Why? Why should you? You know, Jesus says in John chapter 14, it says, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, don't stress out. He says, don't freak out. That's the New Living Translation. Don't freak out. You don't have to freak out. Because I hold the keys to the kingdom in my hand. I hold the universe in my hand. Jesus is saying, I give you peace that the world can't give you. I'm not giving you a peace like you you understand. This is a peace that transcends understanding. This goes beyond logic. This goes beyond anything that can be explained by science or by logic or by whatever. This can be explained only by the spirit of the living God. And Jesus says, this is a peace I want to give you. I want you to have peace. You don't need to freak out. You don't need to stress out. You can have peace because of him. And it says in Isaiah 26, 3, just like Josiah was saying, keeping your mind fixed on him, it says you will keep the mind that is dependent on you, on him, in perfect peace because it's trusting in him. We are trusting in him. The NIV says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on you, who's stead on you, who, as we focus on the Lord, not on the circumstances, not on the things that are surrounding us, we focus on him and his character and his goodness and his faithfulness. And it says in Colossians 3, 4, above all, okay, so anytime it says something like that, a little intro, above all then you should probably pay attention because this means this is significant. It says, above all, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. Remember I said division is one of Satan's favorite tools. He loves to divide. He loves to divide churches. He loves to divide marriages. He loves to divide families and friendships and work relationships. That's the work of the evil one. And this is saying, put on love, which will bond you together in unity. If you can overlook an offense, if you can overlook differences, you can overlook political persuasions. And some of you, can I just, oh, can I say this, like, again, back to the court case? If, If the evidence that was brought forward was only your social media, what would the verdict be? Christian, not Christian. What would it be? You know, God is not a God of just good morality. God is a God of of the Spirit, His Holy Spirit that is all about love. It says, verse 15, let the peace of Christ, remember the peace that transcends understanding, the peace that Jesus gives, not as the world gives, but only as He gives. It says, let that peace to which you were also called in one body rule in your hearts. This is like to be like an umpire who calls like, out or safe. This is the peace that is supposed to guide you. And this is not, you can't have this unless you are in his presence and in his word. This is how we know him. This is how we know his voice. I believe that we have a father in heaven who adores us. 
And he looks at us and he just thinks, oh, I love my kids. I don't think we have this strong, silent, distant God who's just standing there waiting for you to blow it. I don't believe that's our God. Our God is loving and he wants to blow us away with his goodness and he wants to speak to us. And so he's saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And it says, and be thankful. All of this starts in gratitude. It all starts, you know, there's so many studies that have done, have been done that show the benefits of being grateful. You know, the grateful journal and, and every November, everybody gets super grateful. You know, the rest of the month, the rest of the year, I don't know what happens, but every November, you know, there's, but gratitude is one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself. Wake up in the morning and, and give God thanks for letting you have the breath to get out of bed. Okay? And this is one of my favorite promises. And you can, Art, you can come on up here. This is one of my favorite promises. And if you could stand, I, want, I know some of you today need to receive this. This is Psalm 29, verse 11. And this says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And some of you need to hear this today. And so we're just going to go before the Lord and we are just going to, we're going to do that fruit inspection, love, joy, and peace. And we're just going to confess before the Lord just by raising our hands if this is something that we need. We're, everybody, we're all going to close our eyes. This is just between you and God. And so, Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that this is evidence that you filled us with your spirit. And, Lord, I just ask, God, that you would increase the evidence. Lord, you would increase our filling, Lord. Fill us to overflowing, Lord, so that we can demonstrate love and joy and peace. So for anybody right now, and you know you're not, you're not as loving as you want to be, just cry out to God. Lift up your hand as a symbol that you want God to fill you to overflowing. Just lift up your hand and say, Lord, I want to be more loving. Fill me with your spirit. And now for anybody, and, and you're struggling, you're, you're freaking out, you're stressed, and you, um, you, can't, you don't have any joy, you're just grouchy, and you just need, you need a touch from the Spirit of the living God to fill you with joy, to give you perspective. If that's you, if you're just, you're just you don't have joy, and you need that right now, lift up your hand as a symbol that you want the Holy Spirit to fill you. Fill us, Lord, to overflowing with joy because you are good. And now for anybody, and, and you're just stressed out all the time, and you're, you need peace, you worry about everything, and just, just lift your hand up and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit so that I can have the peace that goes beyond understanding. Lord, give me the peace to know that you are in control. And if you're a person and you have never given your heart to the Lord or you don't know if you're going to heaven, you're not sure, I just want to ask if you would slip up your hand. This is just between you and God and, and me. I'm going to see. If you're not sure and you have questions, yeah. Yeah. Just lift your hand up. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Welcome. Welcome. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? 
You don't know if you were to die tonight. You don't know if you'd, if you'd be with the Lord. It's not based on your good works. It's based on the cross. It's based on what Jesus did. So for anybody else that, that I mean, if you, if you don't want to raise your hand, you don't want to tell me, just ask the person that, that brought you, okay? Lord, we thank you, God, that you give us the assurance that we can have joy and we can have love and we can have peace, Lord, and all of the fruit of your spirit. Lord, let our lives reflect you. Fill us to overflowing. And we thank you that you went to the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled to our maker. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, next week, um, we're going to get to the second set, the two-syllable ones, patience, kindness, and goodness. It is Mother's Day. I, I don't want that to be a deterrent for anybody. I know Mother's Day can be a very difficult day for people, but we really, we want to... We want to just be really sensitive to that. And so if that's a day that you typically don't want to go, we're not going to do some weird thing and make you feel horrible. So anyway, God bless you. Go grab some lunch with somebody and encourage one another and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm.